It's car con carne. It is Car Con Carne, the world's only food podcast recorded in a car, performing live in the back seat. He's a Mekon, he's a Waco brother, he's a cosmonaut, he is a, a wickedly talented man, John Langford. Hey, how are you doing? I've never played a guitar in the back seat before. It's just like Metro. <laughs> it's uh, looking for smaller and smaller venues, you know, so you can say you, you've sold out, but this is going a bit too far. <laughs> I'll do a Waco Brothers song. His study is written by the winner. This is a loser's song. I took this job in the summer. Never saw the winter rolling on. I never thought it would end in a second. A burnout smoking wreck. Expectations and ambition. Just a rope around my neck Broke my back to earn a crust I saw my dreams die in the dust Now I'm walking on hell's roof Looking at the flowers You're walking on hell's roof Looking at the flowers All in bloom Red, yellow, and blue So sweet and true Nothing better to do Well I'm not hiding Come and find me What am I doing There's no need to remind me Walking on hell's roof Looking at the flowers In the air to be In the miles per hour And keeping out of reach Of the higher power The bees are buzzing in the April showers The spoils belong to the victor This is a consolation song Your life is science fiction In a flash then you'll be gone No more trials and no more troubles Bad luck and bursting bubbles Walking on hell's roof looking at the flowers Walking on house roof, looking at the flowers. Now we've been walking on house roof, looking at the flowers. Holy crap! Wow, John Langford, uh, that was awesome. How Thank are you. you. Are, are you are you comfortable? Do you have enough room? Am I comfortable? There? No, I'd say I'm a little <laughs> bit cramped. Actually, I like to. I usually I'd never play sitting down. Yeah, we usually run around. All right, so how about this? Let, let's let you do one more song, and then we can uh, divest you of your guitar food. so you can be comfortable. Uh, we can eat. We're at Ivy's in Edgebrook over uh, by Devon and Central, and we're, we're being tantalized by hot dogs and I can rice. smell it now. I'm it smells so good. I know. It's better to sing before you eat, though. I was thinking you should rock it's on like an empty swimming. stomach. It's like swimming. Yeah, you don't want to be bloaty in the backseat. No, could, bad things can happen if you eat before you. Exactly. All right, so what are you going to play now? Um, I'll tell you what, I'll try... Um, I'll try a, a, one of my solo things. 
did an album for Bloodshot a few years ago called Old Devils. Um, and there's, this one's it's quite a weird one for me, but it's kind of... Well, the car should make it weirder. <laughs> I love the uh, cathedral-like <laughs> ambiance in here. <laughs> Luxury through the white heat and the cooking. I never once stopped looking, I was banking on you. Back in the 70s, I moved my family. The whole world hates a failure. Cape Town and Australia look pretty good to me Skirting round the rocks and reefs Out of inclement weather Can't you picture us together In the lap of luxury we took one night of bliss And turned it into this I'd do anything to please her So I bought that brand new freezer And I climbed inside Skirting round the rocks and reefs out of inclement weather You know the smell of new leather Meant everything to the likes of me But baby, it's cold outside I thought progress would be one smooth ride But right now I don't have the luxury Luxury. I don't have the luxury. My disposable income and weakness for drinking have disposed of me. So tell all your friends, spend till it ends. Oh, luxury. Now, we can, actually, this is the point where I kidnap you. I, I lock the doors from the outside, and I just drive around and make you keep playing songs. You promised you wouldn't drive around. True enough. All right, John, you're amazing. Uh, let's let's get that guitar put somewhere safe, and let's let's eat some food. Okay. All right, so I'm going to start handing out some food. We are at Ivy's with John Langford, uh, and you, you're a regular here. Yeah, I do come here quite a bit, actually. My youngest loves it, so he, i got a 13-year-old, and, you know, nothing's better than... A trip for, to Ivy's. These fries look ridiculous. Yeah, they got like truffle salt and all sorts of stuff in there. So, and we went international. They have all these different uh, exotic. 
type hot dogs. Um, this looks that's oh, mine. Ginger and seaweed on the dog. That's the Japanese. It's quite exotic. <laughs> Here's some napkins. It sounds absolutely ridiculous, but uh, it's it's great. So, all right, you just performed in the backseat, which was super cool. Do you remember your first exposure to music as a kid, growing up in the UK? Um, I'd have to say um, the Beatles on the radio. You know, my parents playing the radio in the car, and definitely Tom Jones because I was from Wales and. Tom Jones was big, but then it was music. There was always music around because, in, in you know, we went to church. You know, I was, my grandmother went to the Baptist church. My parents went to the Church of England in Wales church. But there was a lot of singing. Welsh people like to sing a lot. But the first songs I really remember, um, probably Tom Jones, like Green Green Grass at Home and Delilah, and it's not unusual. Now, when and how did you fall in love with American roots music? With Johnny Cash, with uh, well, that's the ironic thing because I'm listening to Tom Jones now and a song like "The Green Green Glass of Home." It's just a straight country and western song, but I thought it was about Wales. <laughs> I didn't realise, I mean, you know, the fact that it's ca- capital punishment in it that didn't dawn on me that it wasn't about Wales. But it must be about America. And uh, but I, not till a lot later did I. I mean, I, Johnny Cash was a presence, Elvis, people like that. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid growing up, but I think really um, not till the mid '80s, early '80s, till when I, you know, first started coming over here and was exposed to what I describe as the kind of classic honky tonk stuff. Did I really, really start to see the whole thing for what it was? So post Mekons, or, or, um, after the Mekons formed, yeah. yeah. But there, well, there is no post Mekons in my right. life at the moment. You see, so. <laughs> I've been in the Mekon since I was 19. So Yeah, so mid-80s, you're, it's you're a discovering life, this. It's a life sentence. A couple of years later, it's uh, it's Memphis, Egypt. Yeah, I was... Um, how can we eat and talk? It's a challenge, mm. but it's authentic. Mm. I, I'm having really the, da- the Danish dog, which is kind of ridiculous. It's uh, pickles and fried something or another on it. Is it like fried onions on there? Yeah, that's what it is. Oh, yeah. That looks good. There is no dainty or dignified way to eat this. The Japanese one is like, it's a beef sausage with seaweed, wasabi sauce, and the ginger. But they mm. give you with sushi. All just piled in there. And it sounds like a kind of travesty, but it's absolutely delicious. And the fries are super good. Yeah, the fries are amazing. So I know you've told the story before, but... Man from Wales, a Mekon. You were there as punk rock exploded. You did your thing through the eighties. What what caused you to land in Chicago and drop anchor here? Um, <laughs> I have to clear some space to get the words out. <laughs> I first came to Chicago in nineteen eighty five with the three Johns that. Kind of heavy metal art school disco trio I had, and we played the Metro. You mentioned the Metro. This isn't the Metro. Well, <laughs> it definitely isn't, but the first building I ever went in in Chicago was the Metro. We made a live album that night, and at the end of that tour, we just decided Chicago felt comfortable. The rest of America was very exciting. Sometimes exciting, sometimes just weird. Right. And then. 
but Chicago was somewhere where I felt comfortable and over the years I spent a lot of time here and I met friends here and I met my wife here but I met her just in passing here but we didn't get together till she was living in Europe much much later so about 91 she was studying in France doing a postgraduate thing in a Le Corbusier building near Metz and we got together then and um, as soon as we got together she, she was moving back to the States and that was the end of it but uh, I I decided that Chicago was kind of easy uh, I, don't, I don't even remember moving here to be honest I didn't really move here I just kind of gradually one day I was just here I felt like oh, we better get an apartment because I'm just here now aren't I? well you've certainly made an impression and no one has ever said anything negative about you, John. Not that I look for that stuff. Which leads me to believe one oh, of two don't things. Don't you believe that? Well, it leads me to believe one of two things. One, either you are in fact that nice, or you you're so powerful, you are so empowered by clout that people know if they if they say anything untoward, you'll have them killed. I there's a journalist in town when I first came here who wrote this brilliant piece about how I had to get out of London because everyone realised what a, a charlatan I was, and I had to. I had to. That's why I'd moved to. America because it was because um, my the jig was up and everyone realised that I was rubbish. You know, and That's it, terrible. It would only be a matter of time, but it seems to have I seem to have fobbed off the people here quite well <laughs> for the last twenty five years. So. We were very well connected, and you know we were talking inside the restaurant as we were waiting for the order. It seems like you always have your hands in something. It strikes me that you don't know what to do with idle time because you you rarely have. I mean, you're either painting or you're recording or writing. It seems like you're in this constant creation mode. I currently have my bag in my hand in a big bag of French fries, which is nice. But um, I don't know. As I get older, I feel like there's a lot. You know, time is short, and I have a lot of things I want to do. So I'm trying to do them as well as I can and as as fast as I can. So I think I get bored quite easily. So um, that's a, the curse of the Mekons, really, because we we never really settled. <laughs> on any sound or idea for very long before it gets changed and we move off in some other direction. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I was, sorry. I do a lot of different things. <laughs> I was thinking when David Bowie died, when, when that announcement came through, I was thinking about everything I've ever thought about David Bowie. And I started to think about the benefit show you did with Chris Connolly's version of the band, the Thin White Duke, where, oh, yeah. the, where the Wacos were T-Rex. Mm. And that led me down just a, a spiral of how much did T-Rex influence you as a kid? Because, you know, I was listening to Great Chicago Fire this morning, and I, I, you listen close enough, and I, I hear some some T-Rex influence on that one. Um, I can remember it, I think it was like December 1971, my mother had the radio on in the kitchen, they had, the, they had a Top 40 show. We would play, and uh, Jeepster came on, and I was aware of music before that, and I kind of liked music, and kind of knew a bit about some bands, and I had a couple of records that I kind of owned, but I heard that, and something happened. It was just like I was of that age. I guess I was thirteen, and all the hair stood up on the back of my neck, and I just suddenly thought. What is this? This is something going on here that's really exciting. And then at that time, I mean, 
the following spring I first heard David Bowie, Roxy Music, um, Slade were a big influence. I mean, the whole glam rock thing was, it was very, very interesting time to be a teenager because, I mean, I didn't think I was, you know, I thought I was kind of a, a wannabe football hooligan, really. I was into football and sport and things like that as well as drawing and but suddenly there was this other thing and uh, I don't know I became kind of consumed with it I'm def- it was definitely a obsessed I mean but all my mates were the same and the glam rock thing was huge then it went away just as sort of fast as it had come well, was it in college for you that you realized okay that's it I'm going to take this music thing as far as I'll go no I never had really any intention of doing that but once the Sex Pistols had you know been on come to Leeds Polytechnic one of the few gigs on their anarchy tour that wasn't cancelled by local councils being prudish mm-hmm. um, everybody just wanted to be in a band I didn't even go and see him play I had something better to do than go and see the Sex Pistols the Clash the Damned and the Heartbreakers <laughs> I can't imagine what it was but yeah good call good call <laughs> yeah. but the, it didn't matter I wasn't there it was just the everybody was there that night formed a band so yeah, we we the Mekons kind of came about pretty much immediately after that, and uh, yeah, I dropped out of college, and we did pursue it, but only because it, it wasn't like an intentional thing. We just thought it was something that would happen for a little bit, and we'd sort of enjoy it, and then it would go away again, and we'd be boring art students again. But and here you are in 2016. Yeah, but you know, mixing it up still. I mean, the arts. I went. I finished art college. I went back to art college after Virgin Records dumped us in 1980 and actually it was great I went back and had a good year and got my degree and then then decided to do you know to do the music thing with another band the Mekons were kind of down the pipe at that point and uh, the Three Johns came up and we did that for a while and then when I moved here you know the Mekons had a lot of legal problems so we formed the Waco Brothers and that was another thing that had a life of its own so you know, I was talking about the Waco Brothers with a friend this week, and it, it occurs to me, I think my appreciation for that sound, whether it's rockabilly or the you know the Sun Record stuff, I think that sprung out of the Waco Brothers. I mean, Waco Brothers kind of, if not reintroduced me, kind of gave me a shot in the arm to, to re-embrace that kind of music that I'd kind of dismissed for a while. I, I mean, there, there's... What I'm there was something refreshing for me about listening to country honky-tonk music and the sort of high-energy stuff like Buck Owens and Will Haggard and the West Coast stuff specifically um, got me back into rock and roll, you know, the actual idea of rock and roll. I think glam rock was Bowie. There was a lot of rock and roll in that. And uh, punk rock, there was a lot of that sort of stripping it right down. And then when I came to Chicago in the 90s, it was there was a need to do that again. And there was a lot of people listening to the old classic country music and... Um, Kind of which had been abandoned by Nashville, mm-hmm. thinking about you know whether whether it was you know right that that had been all just thrown away, whether it was whether it was an embarrassment or whether it was something that you could be used. And the Wacos just you know, we, we we started playing Johnny Cash songs, Merle Haggard songs, George Jones songs, and and it you know, became a. It became the antidote to the Mekons. The Mekons were quite hard to explain. This band I've been in for years that <laughs> were art students, and uh, I wanted a band that I wanted a band that would be like a Friday night 
band that could play anywhere. When the Wacos cover these songs, they're not straight covers. I mean, they're amped, they're amped no, up. There's yeah. a lot more speed and energy. And Yeah, I mean, it, it became its own thing. But it was, I liked the idea that it wasn't something that was going to, wow, what are the Wacos going to do next? I liked the idea that the Wacos would kind of plow a deep furrow. You know what I mean? Just keep keep doing this thing that we do quite, quite well. Now, why did the Wacos put the brakes on a couple of years back? Uh, we had an album called Freedom and Weep, which we thought was great, and I kind of managed to sell slightly less than the one before it, which had sold slightly less than the one before that, so we figured it wasn't really working, so we, we continued playing live. We never stopped playing live, but it was just this kind of cycle of album tour, album tour that maybe wasn't as exciting to the record buying public as it was to us. It was probably just the fact that people were buying less CDs. But. Well, that's just it. I mean, I, when you say record buying public, I don't even know what that what that is or who those people are at this point. No, I don't know. They, but, well, both the Waco Brothers fans live uh, quite near here, so. We, <laughs> well, I'm one. I, I add me to the the population or the demographics in the area. I am the. It was nice to have a little break, and we did a few things. We did a live album, and mm-hmm. we did the album with Paul Birch, and then, you know, it came to a point where we had songs that we felt like it was worth doing it again. And it's nice because this album suddenly has been is anticipated, <laughs> which is great. You know, Rolling Stone magazine had us as the twenty eighth most anticipated album. Of 2016. Oh, that's ridiculous. You're easily 24th. I know. Isn't that fantastic? <laughs> it's, it's like being the 41st best stand-up comedian or something. <laughs> so, so, I mean, anticipate. It doesn't even mean it has to be any good. It's just anticipated. So, with all the, with all the things you're involved in, whether it's Mekons or Wacos or your solo stuff, when you write a song, do you write... Do you write down the lane? Like, do you... Do you I'm going to write a Waco song, or do you write a song and then, based on what what spills out do you kind of figure out where to position it It, oh this is clearly a John Langford song or this is this thing I should take to the Mekons um I don't really take anything to the Mekons the Mekons stuff kind of spontaneously appears when we get together I do write directly for the Wacos I I have an idea of what the Wacos sort of area is their territory and what they what they should be doing Uh, and then anything that's left over kind of has to be a John Langford song so basically stuff that, that's me whining on about you know where I come from or my personal life or my family history will end up as a John Langford song so so alright looking ahead John 2016 besides the highly anticipated album <laughs> the 28th most anticipated record uh, what else are we looking forward to for John Langford this year um I've got a lot of things going on this year um the Waco Brothers album comes out in end of February. We're going to South by Southwest. Got some touring in April. Putting together some dates with the Sadies from Toronto in May. Nice. Which will be, we'll come to Chicago with that. Um, some great festivals in the summer. Then Mekon's new album's recorded and we're finishing that up. And that's going to come out in September. This is what I'm saying. You- we're off out on the road then in September with the Mekon, so... This is what I'm saying. You're constantly up to something. Like the the fact that I was able to grab you and put you in the car one night, I, I'm I'm surprised you had the availability. To be well, I've got to actually knuckle down and make some make some artwork because the way it works out is kind of fifty fifty with the music and the painting. So uh, I've got some 
quite nice art shows coming up. I have a big one in um, New Orleans during Jazz Fest. So. Oh, that's fantastic. So I've really got to make some nice paintings for that. And you were painting before you you showed up tonight. Uh, and you yeah, made I've a been point in the of, studio all day. You made a point of telling me that it was paint on your hands, not blood. I was just, well, I start off the process I, is kind of pretty boring. I just had to paint a load of pieces of wood red today. So I know how many paintings I'm going to make. So I got all the pieces of wood out and I painted them all red with this kind of sort of outdoors furniture paint. But it's really good. It won't come off and it looks like I've just throttled someone or something. But I, I feel guilty. I've been making you talk. I want you to finish your hot dog. I finished my hot dog. Oh, you did? Can you tell? I shoved it right down. That was that was a stealth move, John Langford. Well, I tell you, the the Japanese at uh, Ivy's is it's not that big. It's quite a minimal hot dog, but it's very very tasty. I had, that ginger looked great. I love it's, ginger. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, John, thank you for coming on the podcast, uh, performing in the back seat here in the parking lot over by the Metro tracks. <laughs> this is what it's come to. This is a good spot. I love Edgebrook. Edgebrook's like. A little bit of small-town America that's stuck in Chicago. It's, it's I, very strange. I, I, was Lockwood Castle before your time? Yeah. That Starbucks that over on Devon used to be a place called Lockwood Castle. It was like oh, an right. old-school ice cream parlor. Oh, really? I miss those. Well, you got the great ice cream parlor, the chocolate shop down the street. Amazing we ice cream. We go there a lot. There's the Edgebrook mm-hmm. Coffee Shop just on, on Central around the corner. There is a Starbucks. There's a Vietnamese restaurant here. There's the best hardware store. The Ace is the best hardware yeah. store on the northwest side. I don't know. There's a lot here. There's a fantastic Italian restaurant. I forget what it's called. It begins with F. Yummy. Fagioli. Fantastic. Mm, no. Fam- Funk. Famiglia. Something like that. Yeah. I don't know. But it's, they do a great brunch. There's an Irish pub called Moa, which is the nearest pub to my house, but it's about a, like a half an hour walk so I don't walk there <laughs> but yeah Edgebrook's pretty cool alright John thank you again and thanks for picking this you're place you're welcome James and uh, it is Carcon Carne if you enjoy the show or if you tolerate the show if you appreciate the show in any way uh, tell a friend carconcarne.com also Twitter at Carcon Carne uh, John where can people keep up with you most easily uh, Bloodshot Records site uh, for what's going on with the Wake Up Brothers uh, bloodshotrecords.com and if you're interested in the, the paintings yarddog.com because we, we'll be off down there for South by Southwest and have a big art show during that festival as well <laughs>